You seemed upset on the phone. Are you okay? Yes, no, I don't know. Talk to me. Remember what you said at the restaurant? Um... Something about confessing and Jesus and the Bible passage? Oh, Romans 10, 9. Yeah. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That one? Yeah. What about it? Well, um, I did that. Did what? Well, I was sitting there by myself, and I was thinking about the things you had said and the things that I had read in God's Word, and I just did it. This overwhelming feeling came over me. I accepted him as my savior, but now I'm confused and I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to do. I'm so happy for you, Laura. This is wonderful. Wonderful? Well, now I feel lost, I'm confused. I feel horrible. That's conviction, Laura. Well, I remember you explaining this to me, but I just feel like I don't deserve it. Well, that's the point of God's grace. None of us deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway every day. What do I do now? I feel so terrible. I keep apologizing to God. I'm so overwhelmed. Do you mind if I pray for you? I can't believe I'm saying this, but please, yes, please. Father God, we just thank you so much for your love and your mercy and for Laura's renewal of her heart. We just pray that you'll be with her as she's learning through this process and, and having questions and growing and, and I just pray you'll be with her. Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? You excited for Laura this morning in our video? We've been watching, those of you who've been a part of the series now for a few weeks, you've been watching Laura progress through the stages. We've watched her go from uh, not even sure she wants to go to church, I don't know anything about that church thing, uh, to excited about what she's heard and seen, and now she's stepped across the line of faith. She's asked Jesus Christ to come into her heart and be her Savior. We're in a series that we're calling The Journey of Life. For those of you that are new, we're just talking about that idea of coming to Christ, and, and we're kind of breaking it up into two categories, where there is this idea of being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and then there is this idea <clears throat> excuse me, of becoming fully mature followers of Christ, understanding that there is a profound difference between those two things. It's kind of like getting married, where there's the commitment, I do, you are married, and then there is the living it out, working it out, maturing in that relationship. In fact, we got a chart that uh, we've been using to help us understand those things. Uh, and so for those of you that are new, and then just get the wheels turning for all of us, this idea of being fully devoted starts with being reborn. That's what Laura has just done. She's got a fresh start in life. She has a Savior now. She's settling the, the authority issue. I need to know what it means to be a follower of Christ. And then she's committing to this journey of growing to maturity. And I told you on that Sunday that that really is the mark of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. When I ask you if you're fully devoted, I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking you if you're uh, saved. I'm not asking you, uh, you know, if you believe you're a Christian. I'm asking you, have you made these three commitments? Have you come to Christ and got a fresh start? Have you uh, settled the authority issue? Jesus is not just Savior but Lord. And have you committed to the journey of maturing in Him? Once you've done that, you are in fact a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and you begin the journey of becoming a fully mature follower of Christ. Last week, 
we talked about the seeker stage, and today we're talking specifically about the infant stage. You've stepped across the line of faith. You've asked Jesus to come in. How many of you believe that Laura, in our video, knows everything she needs to know in order to succeed as a follower of Christ? Anybody? Thank you for not raising your hands. How many of you believe that she can go on this journey alone? Anybody? Thank you for not raising your hands. How many of you believe that there are going to be some battles along the way? Yeah, I got some hands on that one. How many of you believe the devil actually stands a chance of stealing what she has found? That's the tragedy, guys. The bad news is, unless, and lean into this, unless she commits to the journey of being fully devoted to becoming fully mature, Satan may well succeed in stealing, killing, and destroying what she has found. Because the reality is, I've I've seen it too many times, where people decide to follow Jesus Christ and they give him part of their heart, but they don't give him their whole heart, that full devotion. And the result is that part of their heart that they leave in the old ways, the old habits, the old friends draws them back. And before you know it, they've drifted back into their old world and they're wondering if this Christianity thing actually works or not. And it's simply because they didn't understand this journey of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and then commit to mature in that relationship. The good news is Second Chronicles 16, 9 has been my life verse for, for decades. Let's read it in the New American Standard Bible. I like to read it in different translations just to unpack it in detail. Here we go. For the eyes of the Lord move through and fro throughout the earth that he may, what? Strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So what's God's response when she devotes herself completely to him? He strongly supports her journey. That says to me that when she decides to be a fully devoted follower, which includes a devotion to full maturity, all the powers of heaven are on her side. All the powers of the Holy Spirit are with her to help her on this journey. And I need to just make sure we all understand this is huge in a church like ours. It is. This is not just an academic study in Christian maturity. This is huge for us because we're seeing people walk across, step across the line of faith literally every week around here. In fact, I promised you a a, a praise report every week. Here we go. It's on the screens. Through July, 172 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ for the first time through the ministries of the bridge this year alone. Praise God for that. Amen. So that means we got a whole lot of people that walk from the seeker stage to the infant stage. Make sense? Is this logical? Does this make sense to you guys? And so let's go back to the chart. Today we're exploring that infant stage, that child stage, that baby stage. The Bible you know, refers to them as babes in Christ and, and children in all kinds of ways. Let me say to you baby Christians that are in the house or maybe watching online or watching this video later, let me say to you, um, don't be embarrassed that that's where you are in your journey. Babies aren't embarrassed about being babies. In the natural, are they? So don't be embarrassed about being uh, at that stage of your life. I mean, do do natural kids want to grow up too fast? Do they? You know, ask a four-year-old how old he is and what he'll say. I'm almost five, right? There's no such thing as a 10-year-old anymore. They're now pre-teens, right? Ask a 45-year-old how old he is and he'll say, I am perpetually 39. I mean, something shifts somewhere along the way, but nevertheless, 
Uh, here's the tragedy that I've seen. We look around as baby Christians, we look around a room and we say, okay, these people have got their act all together and I don't. First of all, ha! <laughs> but they look around and they say, man, these guys have got it all together and I don't. But I want to be in relationship with him. Track with me now. I want to be in relationship with him so I will pretend to have my act together in order to be acceptable to this group of people. Hello? Let me sit real still. Nobody will know that's the struggle that you had or have had. Here's the tragedy. I've watched people step across that line of faith and be Christians engaged in church life and everything else for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they would rather pretend they've got it all together than embrace the journey of becoming fully mature followers of Jesus Christ. Please, I beg you, don't make that mistake. Please, I beg you, embrace the infant stage of your Christian experience. Don't rush your growth, but commit to grow. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, grow in what? Grace and knowledge. Again, I've seen an awful lot of people grow in knowledge, but somewhere along the way, grace gets left out of the mix. I've seen an awful lot of people grow in grace, but they never really learn the principles of God's Word and develop a biblical worldview. So we are challenged to grow in both grace and knowledge. Does that sound like a suggestion to you or a command? That's a command. You grow in grace and knowledge. And so that's the journey. That's what we're so. Let me say quickly to you who are adult Christians, those of you who are a little further down this stage, many of you in this room right now, those of you that are watching online, every Laura, we pause and say it clearly, every Laura in our church, we've identified 172 this year so far. There was a couple hundred last year as well. Every Laura in our church needs a Rachel. Every one of us here is either in the infant stage or we need to be growing to the point that we are prepared to help people who are in the infant stage. Christianity is not a Lone Ranger activity. It is not me and Jesus got a good thing going. We're in this together. And it is the family works together that all of us grow up into the mature body that God has called us to be. So in the time we have today, let me see if we can... Uh, understand the infant stage a little bit better. Uh, as I said before, the easiest way to kind of understand these stages is compare them to, to natural development uh, and then kind of see those parallels. Maybe it'll help you to identify where you are. But again, I'm talking to two groups of people today. I'm talking to people who are in the infant stage, and I'm challenging you, challenging you not to be embarrassed by that. Just don't be content to stay there. And I'm talking to you that have grown through that stage to say, what are you doing to look around and find the babies around you who desperately need Jesus? Can I tell you a quick story? I don't know if I've got time, but I'm going to anyway because i got the microphone. Uh, many of you know we were missionaries in the Philippines through the 80s, and one of the things that used to bother me deeply is that mission groups would come to the country, they would bring college students and young people into the country in the summertime. They would do street evangelism and street witnessing, and they'd have commitment cards. And they would ask at the end of this kind of street witnessing thing, they would ask people, uh, so would you like to go to heaven when you die? And if people said yes, then they fill out a card, and then they would report back to the states and to their supporters that 50,000 people committed their lives to Christ. 
one year I was talking to one of the directors of those things in the fall of the year. In fact, I guess it was early in the new year, probably January in the new year. And he was talking about what had happened during the summer in Davao City, Philippines, southern Philippines, city of a million people. And he said 50,000 people in Davao City uh, got saved this summer in the teams that we brought over. And I said, well, that's fantastic. So tell me about what's going on in the body of Christ in Davao City today. And he said, well, what do you mean? So, well, if 50,000 people got saved this summer, then I would expect that the churches are exploding at the seams. Um, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? Isn't the process of people coming to get a heavenly father and connect with their brothers and sisters in Christ and become a part of the family, isn't that the journey? Isn't it more than check a box, sign a card, say a prayer? Isn't it more than that? And it challenged him. He didn't know what to do with that. I said, I'm not saying don't bring them. By all means, bring them. Stretch their worldview. Present Christ. But, but follow up. Make sure that there is some process by which these people get incorporated into the family of God so that the Lauras have some Rachels that can help them on the journey because no baby Christian has everything they know in order to succeed. And quite often, they will drift back into their old lives. Does it make sense? So let's lean into this this morning as quickly as I can. I want to unpack for you just a few descriptors. There's plenty of them, but let me just give you three descriptors of a natural baby and then compare them to a spiritual baby, and maybe you can start thinking about where you are in your journey and who among you fits these characteristics. Number one, natural babies are responsive. From the minute most babies are born, uh, they they respond to touch, they respond to, to sound, to smell. Why? because they're suddenly alive. I mean, their heart is pumping, their nerves are pulsating, their brain is gathering data, and every parent I know knows the incredible experience of reaching a finger out and having an infant reach up and grasp that finger and hold on tightly, don't you? I mean, I was in the lobby first service this morning, or before the service this morning, and a family came in with a six-month-old, and I stuck my finger out, and he, he grabbed it and hung on, and I thought, hmm, this boy's going to be an athlete, I can tell. There's just something exciting about that. And why did he do that? Because he's alive. There's a responsiveness that comes. Medical people will tell you that newborns, when they're first born, they really can't focus. They're just kind of fuzzy and that sort of thing. I, well, I'm sorry. I'm a doctor, too. They are wrong. Every one of my boys and every one of my grandchildren knew me the first time they saw me. They didn't know what to call me, but they knew who I was. They could tell. I just know. They could tell. (laughs) The second characteristic of infants, natural infants, is that they're dependent. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, what are the odds of survival if a baby is born and then left on his own to fend for himself? It's nil, right? Babies need lots of care and nurture and feeding and, and cuddling. Come to think of it, I do too, but that's a whole other sermon. Uh, <laughs> Kim and I learned this one uh, in a very powerful way again when we were in the Philippines. Uh, some of you know Yvonne and Willard Wagner. They're missionaries to Africa now. Our church supports them. We're part of their support team. And, uh, but they were in the Philippines at the same time we were. And the Wagners uh, committed to become foster parents for a particular group of, of Filipino children. These children were in orphanages and, and found adoptive parents 
but they needed some work, some nurture, some care, some feeding and development before they could go into their adoptive family. And so the Wagners would take these children into their home for anywhere from three months to six months, eight months to get them ready to go into their adoptive homes. Now here's brace yourself because this is hard. These babies would be sometimes 18 months old, 20 months old. And when they first got there, they never moved. They never made a sound. They looked four months old or six months old. They'd been in an orphanage for a year, year and a half. And after a while of crying and crying and crying and nobody ever came, they just stopped crying. After a while of of learning to be hungry, they just stopped calling for food or expecting to be fed. And these incredibly underdeveloped, weak, 18-month-olds who couldn't sit up on their own, who couldn't pull up on their own, who couldn't walk around a piece of furniture on their own simply because nobody had provided the care. And that's not an accusation of the orphanage. They'd have 300 children and three staff doing the best they could. Now, here's what I watched. Within three months, these babies would be sitting up, they would be laughing, they would be talking, they would be pulling up and walking around, and with six months, they're ready to go into a home because they caught up in the development. Why? Because somebody paid attention to their needs. Are you making spiritual parallels? Are you getting this? Babies in the natural are responsive because they're alive, they're dependent, they need us. Number three, they are self-centered. You know, this warm, responsive, cute, precious baby couldn't care less about your needs. <laughs> I'm sorry, they just, they just don't care. I remember one time, uh, our oldest son, uh, he was still in diapers, but he was walking around at that point. He's walking across our den one day, and I'm sitting in my recliner watching a game or something. And as he walked across, I saw him eating something, and I looked closely, uh, and I realized that something had fallen out of his diaper and he was eating it and I started gagging. Oh, Kim! I didn't do it myself. I said, Kim! And he's got something. Well, that's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time. Here's the funniest part about it. Two days later, he's walking through the same room. I'm watching another golf or something or they're on TV and I see him doing this again, only this time it's a chocolate bar. And I still gagged. I mean, it's... it's just... Can I tell you something? He didn't care the least about my gag reflex. Not, he didn't care. He couldn't care less what was going on with me. It didn't matter to him because little kids, these little infants, live in the kingdom of self. It's all about me. They see everything through the lens of how it affects them only. In fact, you can see that in so many ways. You can even see it in the way they pray. I ran across some children's prayers the other day that I thought illustrated it pretty well. Let me read a couple of them to you. Uh, One says, Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's just nothing good in there now. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. (laughs) I never asked for anything before. You can look it up. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in my family, and I never can do it. (laughs) 
dear God, did you really mean do unto others as they do unto you? Because if you didn't, then I'm going to get my brother. <laughs> dear God, maybe Cain and Abel wouldn't kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. <laughs> it would work for me and my brother, I know. Dear God, what does it mean that you're a jealous God? I thought you had everything. Dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look that way, or was it just an accident? <laughs> Dear God, we read Thomas Edison made light, but then in Sunday school they told me you did it, so I bet he stole your idea, didn't he? <laughs> Here's my favorite, though. Dear God, my grandpa said you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? <laughs> Lots of other descriptions for infants and children. You get it. Experts say that this is the stage where all kinds of things begin to develop. Their, their basic sense of trust or mistrust, their, uh, their personal sense of responsibility or, or lack thereof, their own self-worth and insecurities start to form during this period. Uh, their confidence levels and doubts begin to form during this stage. And hear me again, uh, all of those things are dependent on how well they are loved and cared for during those formative days. It's huge. So what's amazing to me is to watch the spiritual, the spiritual parallels for spiritual infants that are coming along. So let's go back to our chart. Let's pick up three characteristics of, of spiritual infants. Number one, their responsive is natural, but in the spirit they are alive. Now, of course, at this stage in the natural, we're talking about coming to life in this stage we're talking about their spirits are coming alive. Laura modeled it in our uh, video this morning. That's when that infant, uh, that seeker steps across the line of faith and says, I need a relationship with Jesus. In fact, you can see the seeker stage sort of as the gestational period and then uh, that beginning to grow and develop as a Christian is when you step across that line. It's like stepping out of the womb. If you could go have an interview with a baby inside his mother's womb and try to describe to them the beauty of the sunrise over the Atlantic Ocean, you would really struggle to get the image across, wouldn't you? If you try to tell that infant that just inches away there is the uh, the beauty of the wind on your face and the beauty of flowers. There's just no way you could convey it. But then when that baby is born and the wonder of all uh, kind of washes in on him, you, you see the amazing thing that's there. Physically, babies burst on the scene. They stretch one time and light hits their face and they scream, right? Our youngest son, Zach, was born asleep. They had to wake him up in order, but he eventually screamed, this blood-curdling scream. Now, doctors will tell you that he's stretching his lungs, but I know what's going on. They're saying, wow, I had no idea the world was this beautiful. I mean, it's just this amazing awareness that happens. Now, I'm kidding in the natural, but in the spiritual, that's exactly what happens. Before you come to Christ, before you give your life to Christ, before you get this new birth, new life experience, you know, the, the stuff of life is just kind of meh. You know, stuff of spirituality, of God, of the Bible is just kind of old news for you. But when you're spiritually born, this is kind of awakening that happens. You, you know, I know, I remember it well. I ran from God and ran from God. I had all kinds of plans for my life. I was going to be a rock star, you know, and I was going to do all kinds of crazy things with my life. And, and I ran from God until I finally caught him. and He caught me and and this whole world opened up to me. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago a young man named Aaron that came to me one day. No church background whatsoever, all tatted up and pierced up and, and looking rough right off the streets. But he held his arm out and the, and the hair standing up on his arm. And he says, 
what is that? And I said, that's God trying to hook up with you. He said, I like it. He didn't understand. He didn't know what was going on. He just knew that something that was dead had come alive. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? 1 Corinthians 2, 13 to 15, Paul wrote, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. So you remember those days. Some of you remember those days. Some of you haven't experienced this yet, but, but uh, you stepped across the line of faith, and, and, and it's like night became day. We, we, last week I talked about it from you, you were dead, now you're alive, you were blind, and now you see. Uh, you went from viewing Christians as holy rollers to, to now they're brothers and sisters, and you can't wait to be with them, Right? From thinking of the Bible as a, as a dusty old book that some old men wrote a long time ago to the owner's manual for life, and you want to know what it says. You literally became a new person, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun gone. Let me just pause for a second and say, if you haven't had that sense of wow recently, then maybe you forgot how wow it was. The book of Revelation says, if that's the case, go back and do your first works again. Just start fresh with him. And and I know everybody's experience is not as dramatic. I mean, some of you may have had a quiet decision to follow Christ. Uh, you know, it may not have been as emotional as mine, but but if you've never had that awakening, if you've never had that eye open to understand a little bit about what it means to be loved by the God of the universe on a deep, emotional, spiritual, visceral kind of level, then you may have mentally decided to follow Jesus as Savior, but you need to become the earnest seeker we talked about, not just seeking for relief from crises or from benefits, but actually seeking to know Him. And if that's where you are, my prayer is that today will be the day you'll You'll step into the light and let him speak to you in powerful kinds of ways. Infants, natural infants are responsive because they're alive. Spiritual infants are responsive, aware, because they are spiritually alive. The second characteristic in our little chart is that natural infants are dependent. Uh, spiritual infants are hungry, and they need somebody to feed them. They need somebody to help them on their journey, like a baby bird in the nest with his you know, beak wide open, waiting for the mom or the daddy bird to come and bring a, a worm and drop it in his mouth, and they're screaming and, and, and hollering for something to happen. I went and prayed with the kids this morning. Uh, while Pastor Andy was praying with you guys, I was over with the children praying for them as they start their school year. What a, a cool thing that was, but as I'm walking down the hallway, there's a child and they're crying as I'm making my way down there. I'm coming back, that same child's still crying. I say, well, somebody feed that baby. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but that's what happens, guys. We're hungry and we need somebody to feed us. Can I tell you that's one of the things I love about our church is because there is a freshness to this journey when we first come to Christ, this hunger to know and to grow. And I, I, I actually have the, the enviable position and a little bit scary position of preaching to a thousand people or so every week who actually listen to what I say. 
And sometimes you even do it. Every now and then somebody will come to me and say, Pastor Jim, you said something six months ago and it changed my life. And I go, oh no, what did I say? <laughs> I hope it was right. You know, there's this sense of awareness and awe and responsibility because baby Christians are hungry. They're hungry to know. They're hungry to grow. I love the kind of questions I get from these infant Christians. A guy came to me one time and he said, can you, can you recommend a Bible for me, Pastor? He said, you know, the only, the only kind I've got is the old style. My grandma gave it to me. And I thought she, he probably meant, you know, King James and a little hard for him to read. And so I started talking to him about some of the other translations that are available these days. <clears throat> and in the process of this conversation, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, somebody told me about that. He said, I'm talking about this is the old style. Uh, you know, when they separated the Old Testament and the New Testament, they don't do that anymore, right? Well, actually, yeah, they still do that. That's still kind of this is before the cross and this is since the cross. He went, oh, so cool. <laughs> lady came to me one time and she said, Pastor, I've been reading my Bible some and I, I, I'm struggling a little bit to understand uh, why are some of the numbers big and some of the numbers small? Well, the big numbers are chapters and the little numbers are verses and they're just kind of like addresses that help us find things. She said, oh, well, that's so smart. <laughs> right? It's just really easy to find stuff when you got that down, right? My favorite is the guy that came up to me one time. I kid you not. He came up to me with a pad and pencil one time, and he said, okay, I've committed to follow Jesus. Tell me what to do. <laughs> this might be a journey, son. <laughs> might take more than a minute to give you. Let me get you started by reading the Gospel of John. Okay, let's get you started on this. This journey, but there's this hunger. I mean, that's where babies live. They're hungry, and they need somebody, and thank God for them. And if that's where you are, thank God for you. I'm thrilled that you're here. But again, if you're further in the journey, we got to feed them. we got to take on that responsibility. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have a taste of the Lord's kindness. I remember vividly when I first came to Jesus. I had two good friends in the church that our family went to down in Bladen County, North Carolina, New Light Church. And uh, Wayne Ellis and uh, J.T. Hammond had just come to Christ a few weeks before I did. And I don't have time to go into the whole testimony. I'll tell you one of these days. But they're the ones that came to me the night I came to Christ. And they said, the Lord spoke into our heart and said uh, that we're supposed to come and invite you to the altar. And I gave my life to Jesus that night. And Wayne and JT and I, um, we would spend hours in the altar. We were all just young kids, fresh out of high school. We all went off to Heritage Bible College together, called to ministry together. Um, but in those early days, we'd go to the altar. Wayne's dad was the pastor, so he had a key to the church, and we'd sneak in the church at night, and we'd pray in the altars, and we'd cry, and we'd cry out to God, and we'd pray for each other till 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I remember one time uh, my mom came to me, and she said, Jim, I'm a little bit worried. My dad had already passed away at that point, so it was just me and mom living at home, my, my little brother who was five or six at the time. And she said, I'm a little worried about you. I know you've given your life to Jesus, but you sure have been staying out late a lot lately. And I'm just a little nervous about what you're doing out that late. I said, Ma, you ain't got to worry. <laughs> you got no worries. We've been in the altar praying. She said, oh, that's so wonderful. Can you let me know when you're going to stay out at 3 o'clock in the morning so I won't be worried about you? 
Again, if you're in the adult stage, you need to ask yourself the question, what am I doing to help the babies around me that are so hungry? Because natural babies are responsive. Spiritual babies are alive in their spirit. They've discovered a whole new world. Natural babies are dependent. Spiritual babies are hungry and they need somebody to feed them. Number three, natural babies are self-centered, we said. Spiritual babies are vulnerable. They're vulnerable. They can be very self-centered. It's true that babies live in the kingdom of self, but they need so much more than themselves. They need contact. Uh, You know, when a baby messes his diaper, somebody has to be healthy enough and care enough to come along and change the diaper. Can I get an amen from all the parents in the house? Somebody's got to do that. Well, spiritual babies are forgiven. They get a fresh start. They get a new life. But they bring all the baggage of their former life with them. And every now and then, they're going to mess their diaper. Am I right? And somebody's got to be there to clean up the mess. Now, when you've got a little infant, a toddler, and he's trying to take his first steps in your house in the natural, and, and, and that toddler takes three steps and falls on his bum, do you fuss at that child? Do you say, stupid child, what's wrong with you? you? You ought to be able to walk by now. Is that what you do? What do you do? You pick them up, you brush them off, you kiss them, and you say, it's okay, man, you're doing so good. Come on, let me hold your hand while you take a few more steps until you get some more strength in your legs. What do you do? You help them develop to the point that they don't fall back on their bums every time they try to walk. Is this clicking? Who's helping the 172 people that have come to Christ in this ministry this year alone? Who's doing that? Who's saying, come on, you're doing good. I know you slipped. I know you fell back. I know you fell off the wagon. I I got it. But come on, Jesus has given you a new life. Let me help you get back on track and let's get going again. It's messy. It can be hard. It can be challenging. But spiritual babies need people that care enough about them to do that for them because they're so vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy this new life that they have found. Does it make sense? So during those development stages, somebody needs to hold their hand as they take their first steps of faith to affirm them and encourage them. Somebody's got to come alongside non-judgmentally and patiently and unselfishly help them. Self-centeredness is natural for little kids, but there comes a time for us to grow out of self-centeredness and get to that place that we're focused more on the people around us who need help than even our own lives and what we need. Our egos should not define our entire lives. And that shift doesn't come naturally. It only comes supernaturally to people who commit to be both fully devoted followers of Christ and fully mature followers of Christ. Natural babies are responsive. Spiritual babies are spiritually alive. Natural babies are dependent. Spiritual babies are hungry and need to be fed. Natural babies are self-centered. Spiritual babies are vulnerable. Yes, they're focused on themselves and their needs and all that stuff, but they need somebody to help them along the way. Are these parallels making sense to you guys? Does this resonate either in your own life and the lives of some of the people that you know? Before I close, here's the question. Um, See if we can agree on the answer together, okay? What do babies need above everything else? 
as you think about these spiritual babies or you think about these natural babies, what, what do they need above everything else? They need family. Ask anybody, young or old, what is the best environment for a child to grow up in, and they will say, a healthy family. Now, this may shock some of you. You may even disagree with me, but I'm going to tell you where I've come in my life. Most churches in America, sorry, I hate to do that, but it's, it's how I feel. Most churches in America have adopted what I call an orphanage mentality. Are orphanages good things? Somebody say yes, quick. Thank God for people who work in orphanages. Thank God for every orphanage on the planet. We support some of them, and I'm glad that we do. You give to Giving Life by Giving Christ, we're involved in helping those kind of things, okay? Thank God for them. But any child in any orphanage, any staff member of any orphanage will tell you that the highest goal for every one of them is to find a family for that child to grow up in. No. Okay, that makes sense, Pastor, but... What is that going to do with church? Well, in far too many cases, I said most. I hope I'm not pushing it. We're like a bunch of kids who come to church and expect a few staff members to feed them. And they wonder why they aren't healthy, why they aren't developing, why they aren't growing. You understand why one of my first initiatives as your pastor is for us to gear up our small groups? Because they're spiritual families for you to grow up in. They're environments for you, spiritual adults, to become spiritual parents. That's what it's about. Will relationships form? Sure. Will we help people not fall through the cracks as our church gets larger? Sure. But at the end of the day, guys, the only way that Satan loses at his commitment to steal, kill, and destroy is if we establish family units where mamas and daddies are taking care of the babies until they can grow up and become mamas and daddies themselves. That's the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. And so when I talk to you about small groups and I talk to you about what we're calling bridge groups, and I know it's been hard for some of you to wrap your brain around some of the transitions, particularly you that were already in a small group. I understand how hard it can be. But hear me, guys. Somehow we got to create enough family units for a couple thousand people, hundreds of people that are coming to Christ literally every year, desperate for a mama and a daddy who will clean up their mess when they mess up will hold their hand while they learn to walk and talk. We'll talk about spiritual parenting on the last Sunday in this series, but I hope you're hearing me. If you're a baby, don't pretend to have it all together. Just commit to the journey. And if you're a parent, come on. It can't just be about me and Jesus. Got a good thing going. I ran across a study the other day that Harvard did. And here's what they concluded. They said people who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating, obesity, but strong social ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. My conclusion, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends (laughs) than to eat broccoli alone. (laughs) One writer said it this way. Churches are filled with too many donkeys and not enough horses. If you know animals, you know 
that when a mountain lion attacks, horses turn nose into each other and kick at the lion. Donkeys turn butt into each other, neigh at the lion and kick each other. Donkey, horse. Every one of us is somewhere in these stages. Infant, teen, adult, parent. Every one of us is called to move forward. Ephesians 4, I'll close. Verses 11 through 15. We read part of this early in the series. Let's read through it. I want to focus on the last part and we'll close. And Christ gave gifts to people to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving, to make the body of Christ stronger. This work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have His perfection. Then we will no longer be babies. Thank God for Christian babies, spiritual babies, thank God for them. What do babies do when they enter the fray? They create excitement and fresh energy and potential. And we love babies. We love to kiss them and cuddle them and hold them and watch them grow. We love babies. Thank God for babies. But there's a point at which we have to grow up and not be babies anymore. We'll not be tossed then by like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another, will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. No. Speaking the truth with love, we'll grow up in every way to be like Christ who is the head of the church. Your first job, figure out what stage you're in. The last Sunday in this series, I'm going to give you a tool to help you assess where you are in this journey. Second step, commit to grow to the next stage, whatever it is. Commit to grow to the next stage. I'm going to give you a tool to set some spiritual goals. Ultimately, look around your life. Look around the rows that are beside you. Look into small groups. Find some babies that you can help along the way. And watch God do amazing things through your life, your one and only life. Let's pray that prayer together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just remind ourselves that you came to seek and to save those who are lost. So first and foremost, your eyes are searching this room right now in hopes of finding someone who has not yet committed their lives to you, but they're beginning to understand that you, in fact, have an amazing plan for their lives. For anyone in this room or watching online that's not yet committed their lives to follow you, I pray that this would be the moment that they would say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I believe that you love me, and I believe you have a plan for me, and I'm going to embrace that. Forgive me for trying to make this happen on my own power. I commit my life to you. Then for all of us in this room who have taken that step of faith, Lord, help us to assess where we are in our spiritual journey. Having nothing to do with how many years we've been on this journey, how many weeks, months, years, decades, it's irrelevant, but just how are we doing in our development? And what's our next step? When we get to that stage of adulthood, we're ready to help others come along on the journey. 
Thank you, Lord, for the privilege. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me, and then I'm going to let you go. I've already told you what the three commitments are. I'm going to ask you to pray those prayers with me now. Pray silently. Pray aloud. I don't care. Just uh, talk to God, okay? Your own words, fine. Just, let's just talk to God in these three areas about what I sense the Holy Spirit's been saying to us today. Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe for you it's the first time, maybe it's the 127,000th time, but here I am, Lord. I'm giving you my life. Lord, help me to see where I am in this journey to maturity, honestly. Then help me to embrace the journey to grow because I don't want to be tossed to and fro like ships on the ocean. I don't want to be pulled in every direction by the wind. I don't want to be fooled by the cunning craftiness of the enemy. I want to be stable and strong. So help me to grow to full maturity in you. In Jesus' name, Father, you know who's praying, you know what's going on in their lives. Let them know how much they are loved right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you guys for being in the house of the Lord this morning. These that are watching online, so glad that you've been with us today, and I do pray that you'll let us know. The altars are open. There's people that would love to pray with you before you leave this place today. If you're a first-time guest, stop by the VIP desk and give them your Connect card. We've got a thank you for coming gift we'd like to put in your hands. We'd love to invite you to lunch so we can get to know each other a little bit better, so stop by the VIP table, if you will. Don't forget the ushers are at the door today. It's one for change. We just bless some community, some ministry, or, or uh, organization in the community that's touched lives, so you got a buck, drop it in the offering on your way out, okay? Father, thank you now for the opportunity uh, to close this service with a commitment and to go from this place with a tangible commitment through one for change. Bless us as we go forward. Keep us safe. Gather us together again at the appointed time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.